Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey guys, it's Jess here just dropping in at the start of this week's episode to let you know some pretty exciting news. Now, the episode you're about to hear was recorded as part of a live stream series that we've just finished up. This is the last episode. And if you're missing the live streams, you need something to uh, to occupy your time while you're in isolation. Our first round of live stream episodes that we did back in April are going to be available over at sospresents.com. Um, yeah, we recorded four episodes and originally they were only available for 24 hours. It was sort of an exclusive thing. Um, but now that they're being hosted by Stupid Old Studios on their platform of SOS Presents, um, they're going to put them up and make them available to you again. And, and they'll sort of be available indefinitely. So if you bought tickets the first time around back in April, you're going to get an email um, with a unique code. So you'll be able to access them for free. So you definitely don't have to pay again. If you missed out the first time and you're wanting to catch up, and uh, and watch them all again or maybe you only saw one and you'd like to see all of them you can do so by heading over to sospresents.com now just a little bit of admin um, if you don't get the email check your spam folder if it's still not there send an email to info at stupidold.com.au 
they'll get back to you straight away. But yeah, that's um that's pretty exciting. We're hoping we'll do some more live streams down the track, maybe for Blocktober. But um, stay tuned. We'll announce all that on our socials when uh, when it's been planned. But yeah, for now, hopefully that will keep you company, keep you entertained. All right, on with today's show. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello. Hello Jess. Hello Dave. Hi. Hello Matt. Hello Dave. Team, how are you feeling? How are we doing? Wonderful. So never good. been healthier, never been better. Never been happier, <laughs> never been healthier. Wow. I'm even healthier than Jess. Is that, yeah. So it's hard because she's mega sick healthy. as a dog. <laughs> How are you, Dave? Uh, I'm uh, probably the third healthiest, but still feeling pretty good. So, great, great, you know? All right, great. That's very promising. I'd love for you to tell us, because normally Jess and I do this, but I think you'd be very good at it. How does this show work? Well, I don't know how it's going to work today, but for the previous 250 episodes, what has happened is we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested to us by a listener, one of us... uh, Goes away, does the research, brings it back. The other two people don't know what the topic's even going to be. So to get us onto that topic, the report giver asks us a pesky little question. And it's Jess's turn, and I'm wondering, have you written a question? I did it just before. So the question is... Nice. Who, uh, what or who was the first report of an alien... The first report of an alien abduction in the United States... Oh, does this have anything to do with Stanton Fried Man? <laughs> no. Oh, our UFO guy, the Roswell dude. He was obsessed. Uh, was it Mulder's sister? <gasps> no. Mm. I don't Becky think Mulder. so, no. It wasn't Becky Mulder. Mm. Um, are All we... right, I don't think we're going to know this. Was it a human? Yes. It was two humans. <gasps> Jeff and humans. Lisa Kresno. McCune. No, uh, close. It was Betty and Barney Hill. Oh, oh, great names. This rings a bell. Yeah, I think I have heard those names. Yeah. Really good names. I, Betty and Barney Hill, fantastic. It's been suggested a few times, so it's been suggested by Will Hancock, Blake T. Wilde, Matt Lass and Earl Crawford, all incredible names. Earl um, yes. Crawford? That sounds like he'd, he'd be and Earl Crawford also... III for sure. Yeah, totally. This is also one, so I put up a, a few second chance topics, ones that I'd already previously had people vote on um, but that hadn't quite made it. And this one, when I first put it up, barely got any votes. The difference this time is that I added the word alien because I just had abduction of Betty and Barney Hill last time. People were like, mm, sounds like a kidnapping. No, thanks. Yeah. Then I said alien abduction and it won in an absolute landslide. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. All right. So in September of 1961, Barney Hill, who was 39, and his wife Betty, who was 42, decided they needed a weekend away. Um, Barney worked night shift for the US Postal Service and he drove 60 miles or 96 k's each way for work and Betty was a social worker handling child welfare cases. Um, 
So they were obviously very busy with work and their little free time was dedicated to the Unitarian Church and their involvement with the civil rights movement. They were both members of the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People and Barney was a board member for the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Um, This was important to them because Barney was an African-American man and Betty was white, which at the time was fairly uncommon to have an interracial marriage. Um, So they're very busy people. They've been married for just over a year at this point. So they decide to have a little holiday as a belated honeymoon. So they left their home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and they drove to Niagara Falls and then looped around to Montreal, which, by the way, is a pretty massive distance. Like, I looked it up on a map and it's like, they're driving, like, really long hours considering they were only away for about three days. So they're just spending a lot of time in the car. This is and a man... this is pre-podcasts. Yeah, but this is a man who's, who drives, like, 200K every day just for work. So he's like, this is nothing. I love the car. Yeah, I know, but it's like, I need a break from all this driving. Let's go on a really long road trip. (laughs) But compress it to three days. Yeah, exactly. It's a doable a distance, but I mean, they spend a lot of time in the car. Anyway, so they've been away for a few days. On their last night, they stopped at a diner in Vermont for dinner. Oh, I mean, America's greatest state. We just got to say it quickly. Vermont, America's greatest state. I totally forgot. Or the whippy? I forgot what to leave it? a pause after saying Vermont. I forgot that. I'm sorry, sorry Dave. It's the creamy. <laughs> creamy. creamy. The creamy. Which is like ice cream, but a little bit creamier, if you can believe it. <laughs> I you, wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it until you had it. Just a quick side note. I really riled up some Americans when uh, last year I went on a, ho- a holiday to LA and I was on the Santa Monica Pier and I thought... I could saw some soft serve ice cream and I was like, I'll get a photo of this. And I said, this is the closest I could get to a creamy. That really kicked off the comment section. People were pissed off that I was claiming that a normal ice cream was a creamy. They're very, very patriotic about their creamies. So sorry about that. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah. Way to I mean, everyone feathers, knows Dave. that, Dave. You've, you mucked up there, buddy. Yeah. Was Don't a... blame America for that. Sorry about that, America. That's on you. Um, okay, so it's their last night. They've stopped for dinner at a diner. <laughs> God save our whoopies. Creamies. Creamy. That was beautiful. Um, Barney figured they could drive all the way home that night to save them getting stuck in bad weather that was sort of heading in their direction. So they left the diner about 10pm. This is on September 19. And they figured they'd be back in their house in Portsmouth between 2 and 3 a.m. It was around a four-hour drive. They're like, we'll just drive through the night, um, get home before crappy weather. So they're driving home late at night, and out the car window, Betty spots a bright light that moves below the moon and the planet Jupiter and then upwards to the west of the moon. Do they know that? Like, do they know? Know what? A light? No, they, they know what do, lights are in the 60s, yeah. Do they know, oh, because I wouldn't look outside and say, oh, that's west of Jupiter, that, you know, that's the moon, that's Jupiter. Are they stargazing types? I mean, types? You, wouldn't, you wouldn't look outside and go, oh, that's the moon. No, that's, I wouldn't say, yeah, I don't know what the moon looks like, to be honest. I don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Jupiter, I know what that really, is. Really, really big light. <laughs> yeah, the big one next to Jupiter, is that right? Jupiter's the red one. Yeah, the big one next to yes. Jupiter is the moon. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I remember that. Um, for now no, on. you're right, Dave. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd know. Oh, that's Jupiter, or that's this. But obviously, yeah, she did. 
Um, okay. But, you know, this, again, this is pre-Netflix, pre-podcasts. Like, people had less to do. So they looked to the sky. <laughs> anyway, the so at ski. first she assumed that she was just watching a shooting star. She's like, oh, it's just like a falling shooting star. But then as it moved erratically upwards, she figured that that didn't really make sense for a shooting star. So they decided to stop the car so they could take a better look. So Barney stopped at this scenic picnic area just south of Twin Mountain, which is a couple of hours northwest of Portsmouth. They're like halfway home. Betty pulled out the binoculars and observed an odd-shaped craft flashing multicoloured lights travel across the face of the moon. <laughs> That's crazy. Dave, it gets crazier. No. Yes. I'm a bit scared. That does scare me. You should be. <laughs> well, Betty wasn't too scared because a few years earlier her sister had claimed that she'd seen a flying saucer. So Betty's like, oh, I'm probably just seeing a flying saucer. You know, nothing to be too <laughs> concerned about. Checks out. <laughs> then Barney had a look through the binoculars um, and and he said it was most likely just a commercial airliner travelling towards Vermont on its way to Montreal. So he's like, it's a plane. <laughs> but he quickly changed his mind. Did he know that because last year his sister had been on a plane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like, she said they have heaps of lights on them. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> he quickly changed his mind, though, because he saw that the object was rapidly descending towards them, which ideally planes don't, planes don't do. Yeah. I mean, how quickly did he change he his mind not. as a plane, what he thought was a plane, suddenly starts coming towards him? Yeah, that's not a plane. <laughs> It's probably not a plane. Um, so they returned, They went back to their car and they started driving towards Franconia Notch, which is a narrow, mountainous stretch of road, very isolated stretch of road. They continued down the isolated road, driving slowly so they can still observe the object as it appears to be getting closer. After driving and watching for a while, the object rapidly descended towards their vehicle, causing Barney to slam on the brakes and stop in the middle of the highway. The huge silent craft hovered approximately 80 to 100 feet, so 20 to 30 metres above the hill's 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air. <laughs> That's a fucking cool-sounding car. I, I don't know cool nothing car. about it. it might... They're those big long ones. You know those long ones yeah, with wings cool. and stuff? Yeah, sure. yeah. Nice. Um, Barney said the craft reminded him of a giant pancake. <laughs> oh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> that's, a, that's one of our um, most beloved uh, Aussie Outback uh, things is the giant pancake, I think. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our most delicious landmark. Strange thing is they only serve crepes there. It's very weird. Very weird. Yeah. It's hey, like Evan, you go to the big banana. Um, so Barney got out of the car. Fuck, that would have been great timing, Evan. Um, <laughs> he had his pistol in his pocket and he took out the binoculars to get a closer look. That's when he saw between eight and 11 humanoid figures looking out the craft window at him. At the window? Whoa. Is that what? Yes. <laughs> were the aliens in that? Bel <laughs> Wow, through the windscreen yeah. they were looking at him. And that was hovering. That was hovering. It was crazy. <laughs> So they're just they're looking out the window at him. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like a bus. It, like, a it sounds like a school bus. <laughs> all the kids are just, alien kids are just waving out the school they're bus. They're trying to get him to ho- honk mm, the they're horn. They're going, honk the horn. Honk the horn. Do you remember coming back coming, coming back from like school excursions and you'd go, the bus would come alongside a truck and all these kids are going, please honk. And then one truck driver does it and the whole bus goes like, yeah. <laughs> and imagine God. if an alien did that, that would be amazing. It's the best. <laughs> that oh would be God, next level. <laughs> yeah, that would be sick. Um, okay, so there's eight to 11 humanoid figures looking at him out the window. Amazing that this alien spaceship has windows. Does that mean it's got a glass floor? Is that what that means? Because they're looking down. I imagine a flying saucer, it's hovering there above. To look out the window, you have to look directly down, right? Are they looking through their glass bottom? Well, I mean, they're hovering fairly close and I think they must sort of be maybe just just in front of them, so they're kind of almost looking back at him. I don't know, Dave. I wasn't there. But they're looking That'd at him cool out the window. That'd be cool if it was a glass-bottom boat, you know. Like, they, maybe yeah. they are just tourists. Maybe not school kids there. It's a, it's like Grey Nomad bus, and they're all there just sort of sightseeing. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they're just, they're just trying to park, and they're like, how much room I got back there? Hey, you. How am I doing back there? <laughs> you know how there's the, uh, the idea that they're grey-skinned? Maybe that's what alien uh, older aliens are. You know, maybe they're normally green and as they age, they get grey skin. Grey skin nomads. And that's all they are. So we keep saying these grey skinned aliens, but they're just grey skinned nomads. They're just travelling. They've done their time working in the alien mines. Yeah. um, And now they're just travelling. So should they. Okay, so, yeah, totally. Live your best life. So all but one of these humanoid figures turn away from the window. They go to do something and then... The one that remained continued to look at Barney and communicated a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. Oh, okay. Telepathically, I assume. Oh, you don't think this is a, this is not hand signals. You stay. No, I don't think so. Keep looking. Stay watching. He thought he thought he was doing signaling him that, but he was actually doing the latest alien dance craze. <laughs> Yeah. Stop right now. <laughs> or he was just flipping him off in alien language. <laughs> you fuck Sucked off. Sucked in, you, you live on a shit planet. <laughs> you fuck off. He's like, yeah, I will keep watching, I will keep watching. But Ali's like, no, fuck off. Yes, okay. No, fuck off. <laughs> Get out of here. We're trying to park here and have a look around. Jesus. Humans. <laughs> um, so the craft descended lower towards them and a long structure appeared to be descending from the bottom of, a cra- of the craft. Oh, no, it's Barney shitting. ran back to it's the shitting car. shitting on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Barney ran back to the car, hysterically telling Betty, they're going to capture us, which he knew because one of them had told him telepathically. <laughs> Whoa. Hysterically like in a funny way? <laughs> Probably not like laughing hysterically, probably like panicking. I thought he might have retold it in a humorous way. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound like it was particularly funny. And she's like laughing so hard. It's like, oh my God, buddy, you are so funny. This is why I married you. You're so funny. You did forget to mention they had done LSD half an hour earlier. (laughs) 
or however <laughs> long it takes for LSD to work. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so Barney speeds off, but almost immediately they hear rhythmic beeping or buzzing sounds and the car starts vibrating and both Barney and Betty felt a tingling sensation. Can I quickly just they ask? They said they felt oh, yeah, that's an the alt- drugs kicking in. <laughs> Can I ask the man of a thousand noises what rhythmic beeping would sound like? What does that sound well, like? Well, first, that rhythmic beeping sound is just the song that they're dancing to. <laughs> and the tingling that uh, the hills are getting is the drugs kicking in. But anyway, the beeping sound would have gone like this. <laughs> Something like that. That's rhythmic. Yeah. (laughs) That's the summer anthem of 2020. (laughs) The dance anthem, the danthem. So they said they felt an altered state of consciousness that left their minds dulled. So they've kind of blacked out. Then another series of beeping and buzzy sound, buzzy, buzzing sounds (laughs) brought them back to full consciousness. They had travelled nearly 35 miles or 56 k's south but had barely any recollection of driving that section of the road. They said they had some vague memory of making a sudden unplanned turn, encountering a roadblock and observing a fiery orb in the road. Whoa. What? So they come to 50 k's down the road, no memory of driving it. That's bit bloody cool. weird. No, that is a bit weird. So they arrive home around dawn, realising that they're two hours later than they'd expected to be. So they've lost two hours and about 56 k's. They have no idea what's happened in that time. So they both had a strange and unexplained impulses and sensations. They were just feeling odd. The example on Wikipedia is Betty insisted their luggage be kept near the back door rather than in the main part of the house. You know, so just like strange stuff like that. <laughs> That's weird. That's kooky. <laughs> yeah. Betty came home. She wanted to move the bed Be- you know. slightly. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, Betty. What's going on? A <laughs> um, few other things, though, were very strange. So both of their watches had stopped and never worked again. Their watches are just fucked. The leather strap on their binoculars was torn, but Barney had no idea how that had happened. And in the greatest sentence I've ever read in our four (laughs) years of podcasts, Barney says he was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom, though he found nothing unusual. (laughs) He was like, I just had to check my dick. (laughs) Did you have to check that it was still there? I don't wow. know. He's just like, let's. What's going on? Like if something felt, maybe something felt a bit off. If they've ripped binoculars, they could rip anything. I better check. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I always pain, assume the, I better just check. I always assume the probe was up the butt, but maybe it's up the urethra. Wow. Maybe. Think, maybe his his dick had stopped and it never worked again. <laughs> just like his watch. <laughs> Even a stopped dick is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> so they both took really long showers, presumably Barney checked his dick again, and then they sat down and both drew what they'd seen. Barney just so drew his dick. Just write it down <laughs> Surely. <laughs> but he drew, like, really big, and Betty's like, all right, mate. Come on, come on. <laughs> you wish. 
So they tried to piece together what had happened, but after the buzzing sounds, their memories were fragmented and foggy. There was like vague things that would come up, but they're like, oh, I can't. they couldn't piece everything together. Later, Betty noticed that the dress she'd been wearing on the drive was torn at the hem, the zipper and the lining. It was really damaged. She put it away in her cupboard and it wasn't until later that she noted a pinkish powder on her dress. She couldn't explain. Mm. They also noticed shiny concentric circles on their car's trunk that hadn't been there the previous day. Betty and Barney experimented with a compass, noting that when they moved it closer to the spots, the needles would whirl rapidly. But when they moved Whoa. it a few inches away from the shiny spots, it would drop down. So something That's weird is happening. Strange. So it's what does yeah. concentric mean? Um, Dave? <laughs> uh, it means when both people give permission, concentric. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's consensual Cons- tantric sex. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sting does it, so. Concentric circles are like when there's circles inside a circle. Right. Yeah, mm. just sort of like continuous circles and inside circles. And they're gotcha. mag- magnetic for some reason. Very strange. Really weird. So Betty telephoned Pease Air Force Base to report their UFO encounter a couple of days later. Uh, Major Paul W. Henderson telephoned the Hills for more details uh, and, and interviewed them. And in, in his report a few days later, he wrote that the couple had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. Now, it doesn't really explain <laughs> any of what they described. And they saw 8 but... to 11 kids from inside Jupiter waving at them. Jupiter came down just above their car and (laughs) Jupiter had like a glass bottle and Jupiter drew circles on their car. Classic Jupiter. Yeah, good explanation. Yeah, that's what his report said, so good on him. So Betty was an avid reader and she checked out some books from the library that were about UFOs and she discovered that there was a civilian UFO group called the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena or NICAP. Head of NICAP was retired Marine Corps Major Donald E. Kehoe. There's a lot of, like, a lot of people using their middle initials in this story, and I love it. Donald E. Kehoe. <laughs> so Betty wrote to him and told him their whole story and that they were considering hypnosis to help recall what had happened. Her letter was passed on to another NICAP member, an astronomer from Boston named Walter N. Webb. A month after their encounter, Webb visited the hills and interviewed them for six hours about their experience. Barney asserted that he'd developed a sort of mental block and that he suspected there were some portions of the event that he did not wish to remember, like he's just repressing things. Webb stated that they were telling the truth and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in such observations where human judgment is involved. So he's saying like the exact time and length of visibility, size of objects, distance, you know, things like that where you're kind of like, oh, it's probably 30-ish feet. But he said everything else, spot on. Wow. So he's not like the fact that this ever happened, he's like that definitely happened, but everything else... I'm not so sure. Yeah. He believed that it happened, but he was like, you know, I think he's just covering his ass there. So he's sort of like, he's not, I'm not saying it's all 100% real because they could have, it could have been 90 feet instead of 80 feet away. So I don't want to say <laughs> that they were 100% spot on. You know, you just got to cover That's your ass. That's smart. Yeah. You got to yeah. cover your ass in these scenarios. You got to. When you're backing up an alien sighting, you've got to cover your ass. 
Even yeah. if you're involved in an alien abduction, also cover your ass. Yeah, that's rule number because one. They're going to probe you. <laughs> rule number yeah. one. Rule number two, check cover your genitals. Your <laughs> <laughs> Every ten minutes if you have to, just keep checking them. I know what I'm doing after this episode, just you in case. Know. I know what I'm <laughs> doing right now. <laughs> oh, all good. Yep, everyone's Still there. <laughs> so 10 days after the alleged UFO encounter, Betty began having a series of vivid dreams. They continued for five successive nights. Never in her memory had she recalled dreams in such detail and intensity. But they stopped abruptly after five nights and they never returned. Oh. She just had dreams. She told Barney about it. Uh, after the first few dreams and while he was sympathetic he told her not to worry about it so she didn't really bring it up with him again he was kind of like yeah yeah yeah, you're fine um so a little while after walter webb had interviewed them betty started to write down the details from those dreams that she had and this is from a good chunk from wikipedia here which describes her dreams which is normally the most tedious conversation you can have um (laughs) In one dream, she and Barney encountered a roadblock and men who surrounded their car. She lost consciousness but struggled to regain it. She then realised she was being forced by two small men to walk in in a forest in the night time and of seeing Barney walking behind her, though when she called to him, he seemed to be in a trance or sleepwalking. The men stood about five feet to five feet four inches tall, so even in her dreams she's, she's got a good sense of space they wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to those worn by military cadets they appeared nearly human with black hair dark eyes prominent noses and bluish lips their skin was a grayish color <gasps> Matthew mm-hmm. sounds right to me were they pulling a caravan I like how they had black hair they never describe aliens as having hair anymore mm. yeah these ones had hair In the dreams, Betty, Barney and the men walked up a ramp to the disc-shaped craft of metallic appearance. Once inside, Barney and Betty were separated. She protested and was told by a man she called the leader that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take much longer to conduct the exams. So they were taken to separate rooms. Betty then dreamt that a new man, similar to the others, entered to conduct her exam with the leader. Betty called this new man the examiner and said that he had a pleasant, calm manner Though the leader and the examiner spoke to her in English, the examiner's commands of the language seemed imperfect and she had difficulty understanding it. I mean, they probably know heaps of yeah. space languages, okay? Yeah. yeah. You can't do them all perfectly. How bloody rude. That's disappointing that she didn't give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt there. How well do you speak alien, Betty? Yeah, you weren't trying. Jeez Louise. <laughs> So the examiner told Betty that he would conduct a few tests to note the differences between humans and the craft's occupants. He seated her on a chair and a bright light was shone on her. This is still all from her dream journal, basically. Um, The man cut off a lock of Betty's hair. He examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat and hands. He saved trimmings of her fingernails. Gross. After examining her legs and feet, the man used a dull knife similar to a letter opener to scrape some of her skin onto what resembled cellophane. So they're just taking samples. He then, oh, no, I don't want to read that bit because it made me feel uncomfortable. He put, like, a needle in her belly button. Anyway, um, the examiner left the room and Betty engaged in conversation with the leader. She picked up a book with rows of strange symbols that the leader said she could take home with her. 
She also asked from where he came and he pulled down an instructional map dotted with stars. He just had a map handy in the wall. Well, <laughs> glad you asked. <laughs> <Bloop>. <laughs> um, in Betty's dream account, the men began escorting the hills from the ship when a disagreement broke out. The leader then informed Betty she couldn't keep the book, stating that they had decided the other men did not want her to even remember the encounter. Betty insisted that no matter what they did to her memory, she would one day recall the events. This is in her dream. She's like swearing revenge on them. Yeah. I'll get you. She's like, I'll never forget. <laughs> she and Barney were taken to their car where the leader suggested that they wait to watch the craft's departure. They did so, then they resumed driving. So that's the end of her account of her dreams. Wow. that's a, it is inc- Those are pretty... Very yeah, detailed, yeah. Pretty vivid. So what, what year was this again, Jess? 61. So it feels like this must be one of the most influential ones because this feels like how they the, these stories are often told now. This has got a lot of X-Files about it. Mm. So mm. I wonder if, I mean, unless it's just a true story, and in, in which case, of course, there'd be consistencies. But, um, yeah, I, I wonder if it's been influential. Also, another question... Uh, did they have any influence over the writers of the Flintstones? Because there's a couple in that called Betty and Barney as well. <laughs> <laughs> Betty and Barney Rubble. Oh, yeah, good point. Um, look, I can't confirm or deny, so I'm just going to say yes. Because that, if that's the case, maybe this goes all the way to the top. Oh, wow. Yeah, Betty and Barney Rubble are based on... Of Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> Betty and Barney Hill, yeah. Um so later that month, so now it's November of 1961, the couple were once again interviewed by members of NICAP, this time C.D. Jackson and Robert E. Hoffman. Whoa. Incredible names. Whoa, what was the Hypnosis? soft letter in the middle of that? Well, it's H-O-H-M-A-N-N. Oh, Hoffman. 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 Oh, wow. Hoffman. Is that better or worse? Much worse. Better. so in this conversation hypnosis was brought up but it was decided they'd and it was decided they'd try in order to elicit previously irretrievable memories like let's give hypnosis a try barney was skeptical but he thought it might help betty put to rest what he described as the nonsense about her dreams what this guy also thinks he was abducted right and he checks his dick all the time well he does and he doesn't Oh, okay. He he's constantly. He kind of seems. He's not sure. Okay. Betty sort of seems more like we were abducted, and Barney's like, I don't know. So they they decide to do hypnosis and sort of see what will happen. But it seems finding the right person for the job was difficult. After speaking to a couple of people and being referred on a few different times, the Hills eventually found Benjamin Simon from Boston. He was a psychiatrist and neurologist who specialised in hypnosis, which at the time was a very mainstream technique. By the time they first went to see him, it was December 14, 1963, so it was two years after their encounter. Simon determined pretty quickly that the UFO encounter was causing Barney far more worry and anxiety than he was willing to admit. He was like, this is eating you up inside. (laughs) And while he didn't believe that there had been an extraterrestrial encounter, he believed that the Hills believed they had one. So he hoped to uncover more information through hypnosis. So he began hypnotising the Hills in January 1964. 
So in his sessions with Barney, Barney reported that the binocular straps had broken when he ran from the UFO back to his car, like when he was first looking at it and they were saying, stay there. Um, He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but that afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing in the dirt road. The car stalled and three of the men approached the car. Barney related that he and Betty were taken onto the craft where they were separated. So it's kind of lining up with Betty's dreams. He was escorted to a room by three of the men and told to lie on a small rectangular table. A cup-like device was placed over his genitals. (laughs) Cup-like. He says he... Cup-like. Okay. He says he did not Someone experience have an a orgasm. Drink of that. <laughs> <laughs> he says he did not experience an orgasm, though he believes a sperm sample was taken. Oh. Thank you for the detail there, Barney. I got to say, what a rip off! <laughs> Come on, I mean, <laughs> disappointing. Gee, just give him something out of this. He's getting nothing out of this. Help a brother. Maybe that's out. how they got it. Maybe it was they just ripped it, ripped it right off, <laughs> ripped it right out of him. So what is he suggesting? They like injected into his sort of his his um, semen sack or whatever it is, and just sque- sque- squeezed it out. Is that what they reckon? <laughs> oh, yeah. unfair! That is a bit well, unfair. at least no wonder he doesn't want to relive it. That sounds painful. He, d- he did also. It's funny because I actually took it out of the report, but he did say that something was inserted into his anus and then very quickly removed as well. <laughs> oh, like, Oops, sorry, um, wrong okay. hole. <laughs> meant for the oh, belly button. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> so similar to Betty, they were sort of like looking at his skin, his ears, his eyes, having a look at everything. Um, he said he could feel someone feeling his spine and it seemed like they were counting his vertebrae. So that kind of lines up with Betty's dreams where they were sort of trying to compare mm. what humans were like based on, you know, versus what they were like. So they're counting his vertebrae. Betty reported a com- so in her hypnosis sessions as well. She remembered a conversation with the leader that she understood in English. But Barney said the same that he heard them speaking in a mumbled language he didn't understand. Yet he also understood them in English. Okay. Um, oh, speaking in tongues. Yeah. Maybe this was religious. No, I think because a few times the they communicated coming? with him. Barney said it seemed to be thought transference. You know, at the time he was unfamiliar with the word tel- telepathy. So Whoa. when they're communicating with him, their mouths aren't moving. They're, he's just, like, aware of what they want him to do or what they're trying to tell him. Right. So That's pretty cool. Pretty crazy. So, yeah, so maybe the way that he's hearing it in two different ways is somehow they've got software that uh, translates it into English in his brain and he's hearing yeah. them speak and then his mind translate it. That's pretty sick. I believe it. Yeah, it's I reckon right. this is all real. <laughs> that adds up. That sold it for you, didn't it? <laughs> that sold it for me. That little detail. But isn't it weird that he's like, he's saying your dreams are fake, you're full of shit, Betty. But obviously, you know, we were there that night and we both saw that alien and stuff. But everything since then, you know, isn't that weird? Why doesn't he, yeah, why isn't he on board? Or, or is he starting to believe? Well, I mean, maybe that's just his way of dealing with it. True. Um, so, Dave, Matt is very much uh, a believer. How are you feeling at the moment? Look, I want to believe, but I'm not there yet. I'm not there quite just yet. Uh, okay. You're the skull, skeleton of my moulder, Dave. That's right, absolutely. I am a medical doctor. 
And um, I, I've seen evidence. <laughs> I've seen all the evidence in the world say that aliens are real. But still, I will not believe next week. Whereas I'll have a wild guess <laughs> at a very specific theory on to explain a weird uh, series of events, and I'll always be right. Always. So that's how we're different. <laughs> always. Just like sometimes, like, how have you come to that conclusion? Five minutes later, oh, he was entirely right because that's just how they wrote the episode, I guess. <laughs> Great show. I absolutely love it. Can't, can't recommend it enough. I'm starting to battle with it. I'm, I'm struggling to get through season three, which I read is the best season. Oh, It's been my least favourite so far. Interesting. I think I enjoyed season two the most. Yeah, love number mm. two. Season two is great. Um, so with the hypnosis, in her sessions with Simon, Betty would describe the map that she'd also seen in her dream. So it's coming up again in hypnosis as well. So she sketched the map from her memory, which consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines. She said she was told that the stars connected by solid lines formed trade routes where dashed lines were less travelled to stars. <laughs> right, and that's how uh, much she remembers. It's wow. pretty fun. Well, some people have, like, taken that map and, uh, like, tried to figure out what it would be and, yeah, it's it's become its whole whole big piece of evidence, which I'm, I don't go into in too much detail here because um, we just don't have the time. But um, and also I didn't fully understand it. Right, so it doesn't match up, does it match up to any stars or we are, people are still searching for it, are they? Uh, I think it matches up to, uh, yeah, it does match up to some stars or people have matched it to them. But I, I, I don't know enough about it, but a part of me sort of feels like it's um, confirmation bias, you know, sort of like it's I'm making it fit in with what I want the answer to be. So you're being like you know Mulder. I mean? But don't worry, that's the way to do it, Jess. Just make <laughs> it up to how you want it to be and then it'll be right. Yeah, great. Um, so after seeking the help... What I'm trying to establish, Jess, is is this a forest fen type situation and in three weeks someone will solve this mystery and find the stars <laughs> and Whoa. confirm it 100% when we do a podcast on it? I don't think so because people pretty much already have. Oh. So it's already been done. Well, they'll do it again. Yeah. In three weeks. They'll do it again and they'll do it even more confidently. Um, so after they sought help of hypnosis, Betty and Barney felt better and they were able, able to go on with their lives. You know, it wasn't causing them as much anxiety and stress anymore. Mm. They talked about their experience with family and friends, but they never really sought out attention from the media. You know, they didn't want... And, and I suppose, like, it would be such a hard thing to talk about because no one would believe you, you know? It would be the worst. Um, but, yeah, they, 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 they talk about it with people, but they're not, like really going out of their way to tell their story. But then in 1965, they gained some attention internationally after a reporter named John H. Luttrell wrote the front-page story in the Boston Traveller titled UFO Chiller, Did They Seize Couple? (laughs) (laughs) They is in capitals. (laughs) Um, Apparently he'd, like, he'd found um, recordings of conversations that they'd had with um, that NICAP group and they I think he'd even found like or got copies of um, some of their sessions with the with the psychiatrist, like stuff that the, he should not have been able to get his hands on. <laughs> right. Um, and he's written this article and, and then it's just sort of the story's blown up. 
The following year, in 1966... <laughs> Just going to have a drink here. You know, that's a fun fact about that year. <laughs> uh, the mighty St Kilda Football Club won their one and only VFL-AFL Premiership that year. Uh, after Here's an extra little bit of fact. After losing the grand final in 65, um, but they did have the Brownlow medalists in both 65 and 66. And who kicked a wobbly punt? Is that something? There you go. Oh, Barry Breen kicked the wobbly punt, that famous wobbly punt <laughs> to win because we won by that solitary wobbly punt. Wow, there was only one uh, punt in it. One punt, one wobbly punt in wow. it. Wow. Wow. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Fascinating. <laughs> Fascinating. So, yeah, in that same year, 1966, writer John G. Fuller spoke to Betty and Barney and got them to cooperate with him in writing The Interrupted Journey. The book was a quick success and gained their story a lot of attention. We have a picture of them holding this book, um, The Interrupted Journey. There they are. Whoa, Betty looking that looks thrilled, so serious. obviously. Wow, and is that Barney's stopped watch? Yeah. Was he still yeah. wearing it all these years later? Maybe he replaced it. Who knows? Yeah, that's there. That is same stopped cock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. that's it. Just no, out of shot. Still right twice a day. Here he is showing a picture of the uh, flying saucer to their dog. Oh, cool. The only one like who'll a... listen. <laughs> that's right. Every night he does a dog lecture. <laughs> he has to hold oh. treats behind the easel so the dog will actually look. But, that poor dog. You know. Is it possible that they were they were drugged somehow, like by the government? Um, I haven't got a theory here, but Duchovny would help me yeah, out. Yeah, he'd know. Mulder would say something like, "Yeah, what? How, oh no, what would Scully say? How would Scully explain all this away, Dave?" 
uh, clearly they were having some sort of episode where they joined up them in in their same psychosis and they've come to and now he's heard her tell her dream story and now he thinks, oh, that happened to me too, so that's why it correlates. And then Mulder's like, nah, it's aliens, and then he's right. (laughs) That's how how it works. (laughs) Nah, it's aliens. So, yeah, that book, The Interrupted Journey, was a a big success. It was a hit. So their story was quite well known now. Now, obviously, there are many people who don't believe the Hill story. What? And there have been many theories as, as to what actually happened that night. Um, one of the f- early theories that um, psychiatrists suggested was that the supposed abduction was a hallucination brought on by the stress of being an interracial couple in the n- early 1960s in the United States. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is baffling. Okay. okay. And Betty Betty was told that and she was like... Scully probably wouldn't say that. Yeah. i got to say, i got to say, even she wouldn't say that. Yeah. Even Scully wouldn't say that. Uh, Betty discounted this suggestion, noting her relationship with Barney was very happy and their interracial marriage caused no problems with their friends or family. So don't think it was that. As noted also in the book, The Interrupted Journey, um, Simon, the psychiatrist, thought that the Hill's marital status had nothing to do with the UFO encounter. But it's fun to just jump to that sort of conclusion, isn't it? Yes. Um, (laughs) There's been a few other... Few other kind of theories. There's a skeptic blogger named Brian Dunning. He noted that the hypnosis sessions occurred over two years after the reported abductions, which afforded the couple plenty of time to discuss their encounter, you know, come up with a story. Right. But I mean, they told the story within a couple of days. Uh, so I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But it's also the, the book deal, or like if you could. Like, why would they collaborate on on the idea? You might say, oh, they wanted to sell this book or whatever. But that was years later and someone else's idea, it sounds like. So it doesn't sound like that they were doing it to gain recognition. You said they actively didn't seek out media. So they're not, they weren't trying to put themselves exactly. on the map or anything. No, exactly right. And the, the book was written by someone else who approached them and said, mm. I'm going to write this book. Do I have your cooperation? And they didn't write it with him. He wrote it and just interviewed them. You know, I don't, I'm sure they would have, Hopefully, gotten some sort of profits from the book because it seemed to be successful, but it wasn't their idea. I'm not sure why I'm defending them. I don't fully believe what happened, but also they seem nice enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In an article written in 1990, uh, Martin Kottmeyer suggested that Barney's memories revealed under hypnosis might have been influenced by an episode of the science fiction television show The Outer Limits, uh, which was broadcast about two weeks before Barney's first <laughs> hypnotic session. Oh, God. Right. So he's like, there's a lot of plot points that are similar here. <laughs> um, Betty says she has never heard of that show, so it's quite unlikely that that's the case, but people are like, oh. But he's like. There's a, there's a few things that line up. And then the Fonz was there and we were hanging out at Al's <laughs> Diner and it was really fun. And then Weezer played. <laughs> surely, um, surely though, the Outer Limits didn't just make it up out of thin air. They were probably based their episode on previous reports, right? So that does, you know, if you know what I mean. Mm. I guess so, but I mean, this is kind of widely referred to as the first reporting. 
of an alien abduction. Right. But it, oh, I mean, not just in America, anywhere. Oh yeah, you're right. It was it was specifically in the US. But surely things had happened before the '60s. Surely it yeah, was it wasn't just the '60s. I mean, this is something we could probably know. quickly Google, but I refuse to. Yeah, I think no, um, I, I think sometimes on the X Files, yeah, I, I would have Mulder refers to like um, stories from you know Native American people and things like that, and points to like images of drawings of. Obviously, this is probably made up for the show, to be honest, now I'm thinking about it, but there's often, like, you know, depictions, <laughs> you know, cave art and things on the sh- on that show anyway where they're like, this could be interpreted as someone, uh, an alien species visiting hundreds or thousands of years earlier. But I don't know if that's true. I think a lot of that stuff on The X-Files is based mm. on on truth, based on, or at least based on real stories, I believe. Mm. The truth is out there. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That sounds like the marching band version. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm doing a remix for copyright issues. So this part might, um, might, I don't know, sway you a little bit. So a columnist named Robert Schaefer wrote in the Skeptical Inquirer, that's a fun, fun-sounding publication, says, I was present at the National UFO Conference in New York City in 1980, at which Betty presented some of the UFO photos she'd taken. She showed what must have been, a well, what must have been well over 200 slides, mostly of blips, blurs and blobs against a dark <laughs> background. These were supposed to be UFOs coming in close, chasing a car, landing, etc., After a talk had exceeded about twice its allotted time, Betty was literally jeered off the stage by what had at first been a very sympathetic audience. Oh, no. Oh, that sucks. She's used to talking to her dog. Poor Betty. Yeah, now she's talking to people who are also really into UFOs and they're not as into it. Um, This incident, witnessed by many of the ufology's leaders and top activists, removed any lingering doubt about Betty's credibility. She had none. Oh, um, and later in, in like 95, she wrote a self-published book called A Common Sense Approach to UFOs. This is still Robert Schaefer writing, by the way. He says, uh, it's filled with obviously delusional stories, such as seeing entire squadrons of UFOs in flight and a truck levitating above the freeway. Um, he also later wrote that as late as 1977, Betty Hill would go on UFO vigils at least three times a week. During one evening, she was joined by UFO enthusiast John Oswald. When asked about Betty's continuing UFO observations, Oswald stated, she's not really seeing UFOs, but she's calling them that. On the night they went out together, he said, Mrs. Hill was unable to distinguish between a landing UFO and a streetlight. Oh, no. That's, Which I reckon uh, I could tell the difference. Yeah, that's getting pretty rough. How old is she at this point? Maybe she's just past her best. Days of, of seeing UFOs. Maybe it's the kind of yeah. maybe it's a young man's game, or woman's. Yeah, young woman's game. You, got, you need those young eyes. Mm. Um, but uh, sadly, all good things must come to an end. Um, Barney died uh, of a cerebral hemorrhage in February of 1969 at the age of 46. So not 
that long after oh, all of this had 46. happened. He died fairly young, yeah. Um, Betty Hill died of, uh, of cancer, unfortunately, in 2004 at age 85, having never remarried after Barney had passed away. So in a way, we may never really know what happened to that fateful night in September of 1961, but the truth is out there. I do have a couple of fun facts, though. Is it about the Flintstones? Sadly, no. Um, (laughs) There was a 1975 TV film called The UFO Incident and portraying Barney Hill was James Earl Jones. Oh, great. Mufasa. I am your father, Luke. Oi, Luke. I'm your daddy. Oi. <laughs> That's him. I'm your daddy. Um, and there was also another little fun fact here. Um, last year in 2019, the Hill story was talked about on the Joe Rogan experience with guest Dan Aykroyd, an expert in the field, I assume. <laughs> He's Yeah, he is. Dan Aykroyd's a huge ufologist. His dad yeah. was as well. Big alien man. So there you go. But, yeah, that, that brings me to the end of the report. And now that we've got all of the information, what do you reckon happened? Well, I think what happened here is the UFO community were jealous that they never had a cool story like Betty did and that's why they jeered her off the stage because they were bitter losers. Don't get bitter, get Betty. That's what I say. That's beautiful. What's your theory, though, Jess? Um... Well, I mean, something must have happened, hey. I'm not sure what. Uh, So I'm just going to say that it probably happened. Dave, what do you reckon? I want to believe. I reckon that it must have happened, right? Yeah. Why else would they continue on with the story for all Maybe she was chasing that dream and nothing else happened since and she maybe lost, lost it a bit. Maybe it broke her. Something's happened there. And I think it was the US government allegedly drugging them. Um, can yeah, I, I say think, I think MK you're right. Ultra? I think you're right on something there. Like I think she sort of was chasing more information on what had happened to her, you know, like she was she became really interested in UFOs, maybe even a little bit obsessive about them because she wanted she wanted to understand more what she believed had happened. That's what I reckon. Something happened to yeah. them, but but it's yeah, it's it's unclear what. Maybe something in the water. LSD, LSD oh. in the water. Yeah, a certain kind of mould got into their water. I mean, that actually has happened on the X-Files. Yeah. But, yeah, so that brings us to the end of the actual report. Sorry, Jess, do you mind if I just quickly interrupt you just for a brief moment? Please. I just want to tell you that this episode is brought to you and the good people at home by ExpressVPN. Ah, yes, of course, ExpressVPN, which lets you access the internet as if you're in a different country. It's like travelling, which we can't do at the moment. That's right. If you can't travel, why not let your internet do it for you? <laughs> or pretend you're like one of those secret agents where it's like rerouting and it's like, bang, now they're in South Korea, bang, now they're in Russia, bang, now they're in Botswana. But that can be you at home in bed. Yeah, it can be you pretending you're hacking the mainframe. And just like hackers in movies, it's incredibly easy. <laughs> That's right. But the one thing you might be using ExpressVPN is, and I didn't know this before I got it, is that is Netflix has different shows and movies available depending on where you are. So with ExpressVPN, you can unlock thousands of new shows and movies from streaming libraries, libraries around the globe. 
Yeah. And I mean, there are so many VPNs out there these days. It's a big industry, but ExpressVPN is super fast. You can stream everything in HD quality and you don't have to worry about buffering where it's just sort of sitting there and it's loading and you're like, what's going to happen? It's stopped on a major plot point. Oh, God. Well, that one happened with the ExpressVPN, and you can use it on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, even your TV, and you can use it for many streaming services, not just Netflix. We're talking about Amazon Prime, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, if you've ever heard of it, and many, many more. And, Dave, you have very recently taken a little bit of a um, an internet journey yourself. That's right. I've been on holiday over the last couple of days. My internet thinks that I've been in Germany. Ooh, I wish I knew something in German to say. Oh, guten Tag. Damn it, yes, perfect. Uh, the great thing about uh, ExpressVPN is you can use, obviously, Netflix from other countries. In, in Australia, we've got some good action movies on Netflix, but in Germany, they have awesome ones. On the weekend, I watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day, my Oof. all-time favourite movie. Your favourite? T- I was going to say your favourite Terminator. I did not know that was all-time favourite movie. That's a huge call. Oh, definitely in the top three. So that was fantastic. And also on German Netflix last night, I watched another action classic, another James Cameron film, actually, Aliens. Ooh. So, you know, this is the kind of content that's available to you, thanks to ExpressVPN. That's right. Go out there and enjoy some action movies on the German Netflix, for example. And great news, if you use our link right now at expressvpn.com slash do go on, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Free! Oh my God. Imagine how many James Cameron films you could watch in three months. Honestly, I can't even do the math, but it's a huge number. (laughs) That's expressvpn.com slash do go on. Well, that actually brings us to everyone's favorite part of the show. That report was so good, Jess. I reckon it was one of the best ever. Wow. Thank you. And I'm saying that because I believe it. You <laughs> nailed that. Are you stalling because you're trying to find the fact quota question? Because <laughs> I thought, you know what, last week was the celebration for 250, but Jess brought the party here today. <laughs> uh, so firstly, um, we like to go through people's fact quotes and questions and the way you get involved in this is if you go to the patreon uh patreon.com slash do go on pod and you sign up to the sydney scheinberg deluxe memorial edition rest in peace level and you get to give us a fact a quote or a question you get all sorts of other rewards as well and there's all sorts of different levels for every budget um you know in the entry level you get to vote on a topic every three weeks all the way up to um getting a video every month from us and also voting for two of the three topics and getting to give us a fact quote. There's all sorts of different things. So the, the main thing probably is the bonus episodes. Yeah. And we do three of those a month now. And they're always a lot of fun. We do one bonus report. We do one phrasing the bar, our new show about the movies of the genius actor, Brendan Fraser, the man of a thousand faces. And we also do one extra one, which is normally a quiz or some other fun idea that we've come up with. Um, we haven't recorded that one yet. I can't wait to find out what Dave's got for us this month. I'm but anyway, let's get into the fact, quote, or question, which I believe has a jingle. Fact, quote, or question, ding. Ah, you remember the ding. Always remembers the ding. And the way this works is one of those people on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial level will give us fact, quote, or question. They'll also give us a title for themselves. And this week to kick us off, 
uh, Jessica English, who's given herself the title of Chief Inspiration Officer. Oh, love that. I feel inspired. So I, I do too. I love that uh, very much. And I also love her question, which I've read. It's very quick. What are your ideal napping conditions? Oh, okay. So normally I quite like it when you just sort of doze off on the couch. That's really nice. But when I work overnight, I like to fully go to bed. I get into my PJs. Um, this will be like either in the afternoon before or like after dinner, get into my PJs, take the bra off, get into bed, lights off, little mask on, you know, just fully convince my body that we're having a proper sleep, even though we're absolutely not. That's That's, a good nap. That's a good nap. That's, that's like a, a, just a shrunk down sleep. Yeah. Which is what some people call a nap. (laughs) (laughs) I've got I think... two rules and two rules alone. Rule number one, it shouldn't be more than about 90 minutes, otherwise you will wake up groggy as fuck and that's no longer a nap, that's just full sleep. Once you're in for yeah. bit 90 minutes, I reckon you go to sleep right through. And rule number two is you can't go to fall asleep during the day and wake up when it's now dark because it's really confusing and your body freaks out. So you've got to go yeah. to fall asleep during the day and wake up during the day. I think that's a, that's a good rule. Uh, I do not abide by it though. No. I'll. I normally don't set a time or anything. I just. I. I'll nap, as long as my body needs to nap, and uh, I'm more like Jess. I'll go to bed, and yeah, just try and sleep. Um, normally, I'll be trying to catch the wave. Right. I'm feeling tired. Maybe I'll listen to a podcast or something, and just drift off. Love it. I love a nap. Real. Real good. Mm. And real bad. Mm. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, Great you question, Jessica. If you're falling asleep in the day, sometimes it just happens. You're just lying on the couch watching TV and you just doze off and you wake up and it's dark because you've fallen asleep at like 4.30 p.m., you know? Mm. You wake up and it's dark and you're like, what year is it? Is my, <laughs> are my family dead? Like you don't know what's going on. Yeah, if, if, have I been cryogenically frozen? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that's good. good. I don't think I, I don't know if my answer was uh, as thorough as your two, but I really enjoyed the um, uh, to hear about your structures. Mm. I love Dave <laughs> how he has rules for for nearly everything. <laughs> so thanks for getting us to that, Jessica English, the chief inspiration officer. The next one comes from Zach Llewellyn. Zach with an A at the end, so maybe Zachy or Zash. Zash Zashay. Zashay. <laughs> the junior vice chancellor in charge of distribution of Grindage and Weezen. Weezen. <laughs> Weezen the juice. I wonder. Grindage. Thanks, Zach. Zashi. Uh, Zach also has a question, and it is Scar or Scat? Can we get a final ruling on which is which? Scat versus Scar. Scar versus Scat. Now, Jess, I have I'm pretty sure no you're idea what scat is. Okay, well, Dave was in a scar band, so you've got some expertise in this area. Yeah, that's right. Um, the wheeze was it? The wheeze hornet? I the wish wheeze hornet. Uh, basically, if you want to know what scar is, you got to go back and listen to Weed Hornet. Okay. For example, songs like Criminal, Never Knew, 
uh, Who Cares was one of our hits. That so. sounds so scar. <laughs> can I can I do a little um, a little snippet of one of your scar songs? Please, please do it. My favourite is Criminal, and it goes a little something <laughs> like this. <laughs> Criminal. That's my fa- That's my favourite bit. Yeah, that's real good. That's the scat bit in the Scar song. Is that right, Jess? There's no, a bit that's of scat Scar the music. That's Scar music. That's what it is. She's doing Scar in the Scar song. <laughs> oh, okay, but, sorry. But yeah. Scat, I don't really... You're scarring. I also don't really know what that is. Do we have that in Australia, Scat? I don't think Scat's a thing. I think Zach's very confused <laughs> there. <laughs> I, this is borderline mean <laughs> because you know people don't understand what you're doing, Jess. Anyway... Um, <laughs> So many people so confused. All Just, right, so hmm. I think that's a great. Oh, wait, do you want to? No, I think Jess, it's best to leave it as it is. <laughs> In the imagination, let, let the joke lie. It's like I'm not going to explain. Uh, yeah. The next one comes from Hillary McKay. Thank you so much, Zach. This next one comes from Hillary McKay, uh, whose title is Queen of the Mile People. Which I wonder if that's, if, if that's not a typo for mole people, that's, then maybe there's somewhere she's the queen of people who are a mile tall. Whoa. Or a mile deep. Whoa. Like moles. Like moles. <laughs> Could it be? Hillary McKay, I love it. Either way, that's fantastic. Uh, Hillary's also asked a question. Uh, and the question is, where did Bop come from? The nickname. But also the enigma that is Jess Bot Perkins. Where oh. does she get all her funny? <laughs> well, the nickname came from a very early episode. Um, episode which 10, episode I think. was it? It was episode ten. Oh the big shit! Bopper. Yeah, it was. And because yeah, we mentioned the big bopper whose name was JP Richardson, um, and my initials are JP. So from there, we extrapolated bopper which then, in classic Australian fashion, we shortened to Bop. And here we are 240 episodes later, still doing it. Nearly five years. It's a great story. I did not think that that was going to really take off, but it has. Do you remember? We shouldn't have condensed the story so short. Really, we should have saved this for a full episode. (laughs) (laughs) When we went to, uh, we were going to the UK last year. Um, I was buying a couple of things online that I needed and I was $5 away from free delivery. So I was like, all right, let's look at some, what what they got cheap? And they had silk eye masks that you could personalise for $5. So I got one and it says bop on it. <laughs> and I have that in my house now. So that's fun. It's a little that, fun fact, I guess. It's really made a mark on you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get you two to tattoo bop on yourselves. It'd be weird if I did, obviously, but it'd be flattering if you did it. Can we get a, pro- it, can we get sure. a professional to tattoo it or do we have to tattoo it ourselves? That's um, a- I'll do it. Okay. okay. That, <laughs> I'll mark you. Course, at least? <laughs> All right. Thank you, you. you can brand and me. And the second part of that question, Jess, uh, where do you get all your funny? Um, where do you get your ideas? Where do I get my funny? Have you funny? always been funny? Yes. <laughs> of course I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Genetics. My parents yeah. are pretty funny. My brother's very funny. Funny genes. Um, <laughs> you know, when you grow up a slight, a kind of weird kid, you just have to develop a sense of humour. When you have teeth as messed up as mine were, you develop a thick skin and a sense of humour. 
Right. Now I've got fantastic teeth. Wow. Win-win. <laughs> I know. So teeth is the answer. Yeah, If you want to have funny teeth. kids, just mess up their teeth. Yeah, don't give them, don't see an orthodontist in a timely manner. Actually, we went. I had braces when I was 11. Of course. <laughs> That's you young. That's young. Affluent. East, anybody. Yep. Um. All right, well, that, uh, that answers your uh, question there, Hillary. Fantastic question. Well asked, well answered. And finally, <laughs> Thomas Doppelreiter. <gasps> Thomas. Also known as official quiz master of the Dugon Patreon Facebook group. You can upgrade that now, Thomas, to the official quiz master of the Dugon Patreon bonus episodes as well because we did an <laughs> episode that was written by Thomas last month and it was fantastic. Listen along. Be frustrated with the question we didn't get. <laughs> uh, and Thomas has also asked a question. His question is, if you could be a movie character for one day, who would you like to be? For example, Indiana... I like how he's listed examples of movie characters. For example, Indiana Jones, Darth Vader, the shark from Jaws. Ooh. Fantastic use of the rule of three there. Uh, I was My first... Answer, first thing that came to mind would be Captain Marvel. But also, then I'd have to fight bad guys. A lot of pressure. I'd like it and during peacetime, you know. I'd love a day as Captain Marvel <laughs> during peacetime so I could just kind of fuck around with her powers for a bit. That would be cool. Well, wasn't one of her storylines that when it was peacetime on Earth she was off fixing up trouble in other galaxies and stuff? Yes, so I would need, be on Earth during need, Earth peacetime. But you need peacetime not only on Earth but in all the galaxies. I need intergalactic peace. <laughs> okay, it. well, maybe somewhere far away could be having some issues, but she's on on a well-earned holiday yeah, you want and her, I just okay. get to step in for a day. You want her either on vacay or doing just some admin around the house. Yeah, surely she has to do admin, right? Right. Just hang out, having a just have a bath, but with superpowers. You could like heat the water yourself or something. Yes, the bath would never go cold. <laughs> oh, these are the these are the big bonuses oh. that you don't hear about. <laughs> That's my answer. That's How about you great. guys? Um, I would want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's T one thousand from Terminator Two. So be a good Terminator, but be able to just like take any. Injury and like basically you be shot at and be a robot or whatever, and also have super strength and also just look super cool and dr- ride around on a chopper, and just be like super sick. <laughs> that's that's my just, be, just super be like sick. super sick. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. I can't think of an answer here. Can you guys help me out? Um, well, what's your what are your favorite movies? Someone from With um, Nail and I. I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking about my favorite movies are all pretty grim. Uh, you got with Dale and Eyes. I don't think anyone would want to choose to be either of them. What about Brendan Fraser uh, as Rick O'Connell in The Mummy? God, oh, that'd be pretty good. Just to have the hair, you know? He looks so cool. Oh. And I like travelling and exploring and stuff, but I don't really like... Because um, that's back in the olden days, and I like modern medicine. Okay. You, it's one day. You're anticipating being Oh, it's sick. one day. Sorry, it's only one day. <laughs> is it one oh, day? For one, it is for one day. Okay. <laughs> it's not one life. And you're anticipating day. I'll have a cold. You're like, oh, no, I, <laughs> oh, no, I'll get, I'll get consumption. Oh, no. Okay, no, for one day I could handle that. What about uh, um, Caesar, the ape from yeah. Rebooted Planet of the Apes? That's a good one. I should have... Just, 
I should have chosen a male character because so then I could have peed standing up. Oh, I should have chosen a female character so I could have peed sitting down. <laughs> I, I refuse to do it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Good question, Thomas. I'm going to be thinking about that later and regretting that I didn't say something else, but <laughs> a little insight into my personality. Um, all right. Now, the other thing we like to do is thank a few of our other patrons. And Jess, you normally come up with a little game, something relating to the episode topic that we just did. Do you have one for today? I was just thinking what kind of creature would abduct them. Okay. (laughs) Great. Love that. So rather than hairy grey aliens like it was today, what kind of creature? Well, if I could kick it off if you are okay with that. Yeah. I would love to thank uh, from... Essex in the United States in VT, which is probably Vermont, I reckon, Dave. Oh, the best state there is. I'd love to thank Zach Briggs. <gasps> Zach Briggs. Zachary Briggs. Is abducted by circus bears. <gasps> Whoa. There's one bear, the leader is on a little unicycle. That's But they're wild. very friendly bears because they've known the you know how it feels to be trapped in the circus so they're yeah. very friendly to Zach that's but nice they take him in and they teach him how to ride a unicycle oh friendly circus bears so they are escaped circus bears yes now they're living their life on the lamb yeah I don't know what that what does on the lamb mean anyone know on the run on the run it was great they're on the <laughs> lamb fantastic oh that's a real good one I wonder what Zachary's uh Experience of creamies is. Yes. Oh. Perfect. In fact, perfect he's episode. the guy to ask. He might be. Actually, this makes total sense. There was a Zachary from Vermont that sent me a Vermont shirt with creamies on it. So I imagine. I reckon that could be him. <laughs> that's got to be him. Zachary. That's oh, great. that's great. Thank you so much, by the way. I, I live for creamies and I live for Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> I live for creamies. <laughs> that's fun. So, Zachary. Thank you so much. It all makes sense. Uh, well, I'd love to thank, uh, if I may, also from America, but this time from Broomfield in CO, which is either Colorado or Connecticut. I reckon Colorado. I think it's Colorado. Because you'd that reckon Connecticut would be CN and California is CA, maybe? Yep. So I'm going to say from Broomfield, Colorado, it's Reese Smith. Reese Smith. Oh. Reese Smith has been abducted by giant wasps. Whoa. Whoa. Are they friendly? Very. Almost oh. almost too friendly. Oh, they're like, they're, they're, they really fuss over him. Yeah, like they're pampering him and he's like, can I just have five minutes alone? And they're like, oh, 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 yes, sir, can I, can I get you of anything? Of course, yes, of course. Of course can we leave you? Can we give you, do you we'll, want a we'll drink? Get a snack. Are you good? And he's just yeah. like, just leave me alone, please. Let me pee standing up. <laughs> Yeah, I get That's it. That's good. If I could pee standing up, I would. Oh, yeah, enjoy it. Mm. Who did you pick? I reckon Captain Marvel could probably, she'd have the power to pee standing up, surely. She can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I could. Yeah. (laughs) But is that, maybe that's how she keeps the bathwater warm. Oh, Dave. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. That's a funny one, Dave. Well done. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And for my final shout-out this week, I'd love to thank... Well, she hasn't got an address down 
Um, and I know she is a woman of the world because she's from America, but living in Thailand at different times. I'm not sure where you are right now, but I'd love to thank Linda Moulton. Thanks, Linda. Linda has been uh, – Dave, I'll set you up. Linda has okay. been abducted by tiny little <laughs> chicken nuggets. Whoa, Whoa. Nuggies. nuggies. But like little, really little ones. Real, like so small, like tiny. Oh. Cute little nuggies, little like nuggies. popcorn chicken, kind yeah. of small. Basically, popcorn oh. chicken, but we don't. We want to avoid copyright, so we're just calling them little chicken nuggets. Yeah, great. Mini nugs. Mini nugs. Nugs. How did they abduct her? Have they? Are they sentient beings? Yeah, that becomes. Well, they've been sentient this whole time, and we just didn't realize. What? But the, Wait, what? That sounds like. The, remember those Futurama. Little guys, they were little popping things that everyone thought were delicious and it yes. turned out they were alive. I don't remember that, but I may, have stolen that. I may well? have stolen that idea for sure. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. It was very upsetting. Very upsetting. <laughs> if people ever ask me from now on why I don't eat meat, that's going to be my answer. <laughs> that was probably quite traumatic to watch. Because Dave told me. Yeah, the chicken No, because I do remember that. Nuggies. Yeah, that, those poor guys. So abducted by a little tiny chicken nuggets. And don't worry, Linda, if you want to get escape, just eat your way to freedom. You'll be right. You'll be right. They're so small. That'd be delicious. Um, may I please thank some people as well? That would be so nice if you did. I would love to thank from Kingaroy in Queensland, Samantha Russell. Oh. Samantha Russell. Sammy Russ. Sammy Russ. And Matt, what's Sam been abducted by? Uh, abducted by... <laughs> Sentient cricket bats. Oh, <laughs> oh no. How oh, many no, of them? Oh, there was a whole bag full. No like six. way. Yeah. Six. Six bats. Oh, are they oh, no. friendly? Uh, well, it depends on which one. You know, they're not all the uh, same. Of course, Just... yeah. I suppose that's a yeah. Matt. That's actually pretty, yeah, oh, yeah, all cricket bats have the same sort of temperament. Actually, a bit off there, Jess. Matt, do you remember when you yeah. misremembered the name of that cricket brand? Yeah, and then but then it turned out to be the right brand. Someone messaged me later. I think very confusing. Wow, <laughs> circumstances. It was SS Stuart Surridge, and then I looked it up, and it was it named something else. Very confusing, but apparently I was right in the end somehow. Wow, that's all that matters. Thanks for taking us back to that great memory. Yeah, what a great memory! <laughs> I hope that we would remember the exact. Yeah, everything that you that you thought it was and then what it was, but it wasn't meant to be. But it wasn't meant to be. Thanks, not today. Sammy Russ. But thanks, that's been Sam. captured. Hasn't that been captured forever on a previous podcast episode? Yeah, go yeah. search it out. It was a great moment in my life. <laughs> I would also love to thank from Ottawa in Canada, Erica Parody. Ooh. Oh, well done on the pronunciation there too, Jess. Well, Erica put it in there for us, <laughs> which I love. No, I she she actually messaged me. I put it in there. Oh, because she, thank you. She messaged me hearing I'd butchered her pronunciation on primates or something. She's and she told me I'm like I'll make a note of that. Yeah, good one, good job. Because I mean, it's not phonetically that is not how you pronounce it, but I love it. Parody, so parody. Good. Um, and Dave, Erica, is abducted by... Uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Whoa. <laughs> so that'll be a bit of fun, go on tour with them. 
That's great. So she's, they, I mean, they do have a real rotating membership in the Bad Seeds. No original Bad Seeds still are in the band, I don't think. Right, so. yeah, they, mm. they need a new bass player. They're like, this kid's got it. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow Congratulations, Hopefully Erica. you want to play music live. <laughs> Hope so. so. I mean, sometimes you just got talent and you just really, yeah. you got to play to your strengths, even if yep. Nick, Nick Cave's forcing you to. Um, That's a good one. That's thank a real you, good one. Erica. Also love to thank from Warrington, VA. What's VA? That's Virginia. Uh, Virginia. Virginia. Taylor H. Edgar. Ooh. Uh, that's a, we've had on this episode you even noted just how many initials we had. Love it. Love it. I feel like people don't do that as much anymore. No. And I, I think it, it often happens with um, people who need to sign up to like like actors will often have them because they can't double up on names. Yeah. And murderers, they often give the middle name because they don't want to ruin that name for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, yeah. So are you saying Taylor might be a murderer? Or an actor. Or ah. trying to distance themselves from a murderer called Taylor Edgar. Oh, yeah. that's true. Taylor Edgar's already a great name, so really zhuzhed it up even further. Taylor H is great as well. Yeah. Um, Taylor, of course, is abducted by uh, a, a collection of confetti cannons. Oh, whoa. whoa. About 100 of them. Are it's they, like quite a community. They're like aimed at her or them, I should say. I'm not sure about Taylor. Are they, are they aimed at them? And Taylor's like, well, I better go with these people or they're going to shoot me with a confetti. Yes, but then eventually um, after a little bit, it was just like, like a communication breakdown once they sort of realised Taylor's friendly, they're friendly, then it's just a nice community that she's welcomed into, that they're welcomed into. So that's nice. Very nice. Hmm. Dave, uh, do you want to bring I li- it home? I like the initials as well, T-H-E, the. The. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that. All right, I got a couple of beautiful names that I want to get through here. And this is two for the price of one here. I would like to thank from McKinney in Texas. We've got Joseph and Alicia Moore. Oh. A oh, power couple. Oh, yeah. Love that. Well, it's going to have to be quite a powerful being to uh, abduct both. Any guesses there, Jess? Maybe, do you think it could be the whole crew of McDonald's monsters? Ronald, yeah. Grimace. Birdie, Hamburglar, Chief McNuggets, or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> Mayor McCheese. I mean. Yes. Uh, and what's the moon one? Uh, Bert Newton. <laughs> Remember there was the McDonald's, like, Midnight. Do you know what I'm talking about? The singing, smooth, jazz moon. Oh. I mean, they're all very scary. Yeah. <laughs> they, do they still exist? They've dropped them, haven't they? Maybe you maybe you see Ronald a little bit, but you don't really get much of Grimace anymore. Mm. Right. Grimace was my favourite. I loved, I don't know what Grimace was. Grimace was my favourite as a kid. But I loved Grimace. Loved Grimace. Yeah. I don't know why. I still don't know what Grimace why, is. Why did they have the Hamburglar? <laughs> Showing people how to steal their own product? He's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you, Joseph and Alicia. I'd like to thank now from Waddle Grove, very Australian sounding, in New South Wales, mm. Jess Wooten. Jess Wooten. What a great name that is. Fantastic, yeah. I love that. Love everything about that. Well done, Jess. Jess was abducted by a rainbow. <laughs> what? That sounds Holy fun. Crap. Yep. Rainbow came on down, 
Took Jess up. He came on down. Oh. Did she get the pot of gold at least? Yes. Oh, that's good. Was so a leprechaun Jess, involved? Jess is mega wealthy now. <laughs> wow. Magic pot of gold? You don't hear enough good abduction stories, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Abductions get a bad name. I would finally like to thank from Clarksville in Maryland. Take the last train to Clarksville and I'll meet you at the station. It's a very monkeys episode today. Wait, no. Was that off pod or on pod when someone said something about the monkeys? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I think it was off pod. It may have been part of the live stream. So if you want to unlock that joke, head to sospresents.com. <laughs> Look at Dave. He's so good. He's a businessman. Oh, yeah, for sure. He wears business shoes. I would like to thank uh, Natalie M. Greenlee. Ah. Natalie M. Greenlee. Love the amount of syllables you've squeezed into that amount of letters. And Natalie was abducted by the Energizer Bunny. Oh. Oh. Well. Keep up. I always say you just can't top the copper top, but, yeah, in this case, has been done. Is that a, is that a, is that a, um, an ad? Uh, catchphrase that you guys recall? Don't remember Just can't that. Top the copper top. I don't remember no. that one. But Duracell batteries. No, right. I've never heard that in my life. I really hope that never in... want to again. I wonder. <laughs> I hope in Maryland that they get the Energizer Bunny, so Natalie knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's a bunny. It's a it's a bunny that keeps going because it's got a certain brand of batteries in it. Geez, we're we're showing how susceptible we are to advertising today. Yeah, but we also think that how threatened we feel by them. We feel like they could. Uh, abduct us at any moment. Yeah, they're all evil. <laughs> they could and they will. Uh, so I believe that uh, brings us to the only thing left to do, and that is see if anyone's going to be inducted into the Triptych Club this week, Matt. That's right. So let's have a buddy look. Dave, do you want to explain what it is while I check check the door list? Sure thing. So people that have supported the show at the shout-out level or above for three consecutive years, 36 straight months, to say thank you again, because we've already given you a shout-out once, to say thank you again, we're actually inducting these people as life members into the Triptych Club, which is sort of a very exclusive lounge slash bar slash restaurant slash hangout space where um, you can hang out with like-minded people that support the show on Patreon and uh, enjoy some hors d'oeuvres that change every week and also, see some live music. And uh, Jess, what's on the menu this week? This week, um, you may remember the classic children's party uh, staple, Frog in a Pond. Oh, but what we have this them. week are little chocolate aliens in ponds of jelly. I I love jelly so much. Jelly's so good. I love. I still love it. It's so... I suppose you don't have to chew it, which is one thing I love with my swallowing yeah. difficulties. I just and the ta- oh, can I get jelly in quarantine? Is that allowed? What's your favourite well, jelly you flavour? I feel jelly of people with jelly. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think often often it's not even vegetarian. I haven't had it in years. Jelly does mm. it? Does it taste as good as you remember it as a kid? Absolutely. And it still holds up. Mm, and I, I love that. In answer to your question, Jess, I think you asked favorite flavor: raspberry jelly. Oh my goodness! Yeah, raspberry's good. Woo. Port wine's good. Oh um, yeah, port wine. Port, strawberry's uh, nice. What about green? What flavor is green jelly? Because you like you'd often see the ponds. Yeah, the ponds green. were green or blue. Mm. And I actually hated frog in a pond because it made the chocolate a weird texture. Yeah, it did ruin the chocolate a bit. The Freddo. But these are it's a fun a- concept. Oh, these are alien Freddos. 
What uh, what feeling would you have? Are you going like caramella koala? Are you oh. going mint, soft strawberry? Mint, center? so they're green inside. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's like I imagine aliens are. <laughs> that's great. All right, so are we ready to induct a few? Oh, uh, well, performing live this week, it is the music of Alien Ant Farm. <laughs> performing all their hits, for example, Smooth Criminal and others. Wow. All right, Dave, are you ready to uh, hype some new names into the club? <laughs> oh, all right, here Jess, we go. Just lift that velvet rope. We're bringing them in. Here okay. we go. How many have we got today? We have four inductees. Oh, see what I can do. Here we go. From Phoenix, Arizona, it's James Duquette. Oh, Duquette like a phoenix rising from the ashes straight into the club. From <laughs> Peruya, Wellington, New Zealand, it's Mike Shirley. Oh, Shirley, you can't be serious. Yes, he is. <laughs> From Camborne in England, it's Dom Benatar. Oh, this night has just gotten a little Benatar. Would you agree? Let's... Hopefully Dom can hit us with his best shot. And finally, from Louisville, Kentucky in the United States, it's Drew Johnson. Ooh. I just drew not the short straw but the long straw with you arriving, my friend. Long Johnson, eh? <laughs> How'd I go? Uh, pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, I think how good you go is... Equal to how, how bad, bad you you're go. absolutely it's right. It's a confusing yeah. system. You are right. You're so. But I think you were both great and awful there. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you. And welcome. And enjoy the music of Alien Art Farm whilst eating uh, aliens in a pond. What a what a day. That's so good. What, does that bring us pretty much to the end of this week's episode? Yes, yeah. it does. Uh, thank you so much for listening to it, of course. We do appreciate you lending us your ears. Uh, you can get in contact at any time at dogoonpod.com, which is our current website and soon to be revamped. Mm. Yeah, it's going to look so sexy. We've asked our web designer to really sex it oh, up. Yeah. yeah. He, He's asked several times for clarification on what we mean by that, but we just say, just sex it yeah, up. I, you I, feel it out. I just keep writing. Feel it out, sex it I up. I just keep writing back, hashtag sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work it out, man. Hopefully, mate. he doesn't get the wrong idea. <laughs> it's going to look a lot like uh, Red Tube or something. He, asked, he also asked for websites that um, we're inspired by. Dave sent him Red Tube. Yeah. So. yeah. I sent him my own website. Um... I said, I, said I, I like the look of Netflix. <laughs> Google's pretty good. I think these are just things that we're looking at a lot at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Netflix, um, Stan's pretty good too, I guess. Amazon Prime. Um, <laughs> check it out. Check it out. Uh, so if you want to check out our current website uh, and possibly in the future if you're listening to this, check it out. It will be a much better website and be a lot sexier. Uh, go to mm-hmm. dogoonpod.com. We can find links to our Patreon that we mentioned. We have uh, social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at dogoonpod. And uh, you can email us, dogoonpod at gmail.com. But that really is... All we need to tell you. Yeah. Um, please do listen to our other podcasts if you're looking for something extra to listen to. Dave does a bi-weekly podcast about books called Book Cheat, which is the best book podcast in the world. Hey, thank uh, you. At the moment, he's halfway through going through the classic novel To Kill a Mockingbird. That's right. With fantastic guests, fifth Beatle, Nick Mason, and fourth uh, Gamey Gamer, Beck Petratus. And, uh, yeah, I'm going through on Listen Now the best uh, or most voted for rock albums from the 80s 
on Listen Now with my cousin Sam Tonkin. So far, the first three, 20, 19 and 18, have been Huey Lewis and the News of Sports, Joan Jett and the Black Hearts's I Love Rock and Roll, and Midnight Oil's Diesel and Dust. Actually, and this week's episode will have already come out, uh, Van Halen's 1984. Oh, great. it's it's like every it's funny I think of the eighties rock scene as being kind of myopic if I'm using that word right I don't know if I am I'm not I mean one thing what's the word I'm trying right. to say there Jess I don't know anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's funny every album that's come up so far has been entirely different from the others so it's been fun to realize that the eighties was a a dynamic decade of rock <laughs> uh, anyway. Put this baby home, Davo. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. And until next week, we'll say thanks and I'll say goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 